So, welcome everybody to the latest edition of the TeachNet podcast. And today I'm delighted to be joined by Professor Deirdre Butler and by Declan Qualter. And we are going to discuss the recent conference of the AI for T project, which was held in Luxembourg on January 18th and 19th. Deirdre was actually a partner in the project through DCU, and she led one of the work packages for Ireland on the evaluation of the project. And Declan was a guest. He was an attendee at the conference. So we're going to get their perspective on the project and share with you some of the outputs from the project itself. But more generally, we're going to delve into the discussions that took place in Luxembourg, which were very rich in relation to artificial intelligence in education. So, Deirdre, I'm going to get you to introduce yourself first. Hi, Mick. Good to talk to you as well. So I'm Professor Emeritus at Dublin City University. I was part of this project as a partner, one of 17 partners for AI for T. What's really important as well is that this project is called AI for Teachers. And for its time, when it was actually first conceived, which was way back, it was officially launched in February 2021, but it was actually conceived, you know, in, in COVID 2020, it was put together, the, the proposal. So I think it was four years ago, and the ideas that were being pushed forward were very, very groundbreaking. People are inclined to think, oh, AI is everywhere, but now it is, and it's only for the advent of Gen AI and everything else, so everybody's aware of it. But four years ago, it was very, very new. Very, very experimental. And that's another word to be actually sort of conscious of, that this is an experimental project. Therefore, we were supposed to be learning lessons. And we did. 17 partners across Ireland, France, Italy, Slovenia and Luxembourg. Fantastic opportunity to be involved because there was five countries bravely trying very different things and trying to actually develop resources as well for teachers that they would actually find useful. And along the way, we learned a lot of different lessons. We had an evaluation as well. I tend to think of evaluations more though as narratives, as like what we learned over time. We're trying to find out what went well, what didn't go well, why did it go well, why did it not go well, and actually learn as we enter this new age as well and what we can actually bring forward perhaps to another project and for our national agencies as well. How do we develop professional learning for our teachers? As a result, what's available now, everything's on the AI for T website. So do actually have a look at it, anybody who's listening. And in addition, particularly look out at the textbook and the MOOC. The MOOC has four modules and it covers like sort of background knowledge, what you might want to know about sort of AI generally, what is meant by AI, what's AI in education, how does AI work? And then, you know, a few ideas about what teachers could use it as in their classrooms. For more information, do have a look at the textbook. You can download it. You can have it as an e-publication. It's available currently in uh, the five languages of the um, project partners. So the textbook covers things like sort of, you know, finding out about information about search engines, managing learning, personalizing learning, listening, speaking and writing. How is they involved in this sort of thing in the classroom? Very good practical examples as well on generative AI. And then interesting things about the next steps. How do you think it may progress? Yeah, no, no, there's yeah. no flat there. And we'll get into that in a little bit more. And I'm, I'm very much with you on the 17 partners. It was quite a, a large group. And some of the countries were a lot bigger than ourselves. We have France and Italy in there. But I just want to bring Declan in there for a minute. Declan, you came to this as an attendee. You had found the, the website and the conference online. And I know you've started a new role in UCD, 
last September. So tell us what you're doing now and why you were interested in going and attending. And then we might just move into what were some of the takeaways for you? Yeah, great. Thanks, Nick. Um, so my name is Jack McQuarter. I am the practice placement supervisor on the uh, new Bachelor of Education program in UCD. So that is a new undergraduate initial teacher education program. So we are delighted with how that's going here in UCD. So for those of you listening, students who would like to be post-primary language teachers, and I can see Deirdre there now because DCU also has a similar course, but we would encourage you to, of course, look south of the Liffey to University College Dublin, where we have a budding program. I'm a business studies teacher myself, business studies, and I went back into guidance counselling, Nick, but I would have always had an interest in technology. And now since I've moved to this role, we are involved in a number of projects here at the School of Education in UCD, where we're looking at different forms of digital technology and how it's used in the classroom. Shout out to my colleague, Dr. Rachel Farrell, who's the director of the PME here in UCD, and she uh, approached us and she was aware of the conference, um, having worked with some of the colleagues and as I myself in PDFT, now IDGE, who were a partner in the program. We then looked at the lineup of the conference and there was an array of speakers across the AI and education ecosystem and a very interesting agenda. So with that in mind, there was a number of us representing the School of Education there in Luxembourg and we were delighted to do so. That's brilliant, Declan. And uh, you've reminded me, we should have said this at the outset, Deirdre did mention this was a policy experimentation project that was initiated actually in Ljubljana. The idea for it was born in Ljubljana in Slovenia in 2019 of all times, actually. It was a Delta working group event where a number of the partners that ended up in the project met and discussed and looked at artificial intelligence. And the you mentioned there, Declan, that the PDST, TIE, Anthony Kilcoyne and his colleagues were very much part of this project. And it was the Department of Education in Marlborough Street. They were the ones that were actually the lead Irish partner and they nominated PDST, TIE to work on their behalf. Deirdre's touched a little bit on the, the project itself and the, the website is there and we would direct you to that. The MOOC is there and the textbook is there. Also, the evaluation reports are there. I don't know if they're all there, Deirdre, but they certainly will be there. But just going back to the conference itself for a moment, Declan, you know, you've written a very interesting, we'll put a link to this in the notes for this podcast. You wrote a very interesting LinkedIn post pretty much immediately after getting home from Luxembourg. And you had five areas in there. Do you want to just say a little bit about what were the takeaways for you from the conference? The big thing, I suppose, for me as an attendee, and I know you were so busy there at the event and you were part of panels and so on, you know, it was it was a really engaging conference sitting in the audience. And the big takeaway for me was that there was a repetition from speakers across the ecosystem, as I said. And what was continually being referenced was the importance of AI literacy. And so that we as, again, and I would look at this a lot through the lens of a teacher. So when we talk about AI in the classroom, that, you know, the first thing to think about, well, is how can this help the students, number one? You know, so like everything that we use in the classroom, you know, has to have a pedagogical foundation. And when we then go to use AI, and AI just seems to be everywhere, and it's AI, AI, AI. And we could start experimenting with these tools without ourselves knowing how they've been generated, what everything, you know, where they're coming from, what's the data set that these large language models are trained on. So it is vitally important that before we use anything, that we have a, an introduction to AI 
and from a teacher's perspective, if we're to open a conversation with our students about using AI and to use it ethically and responsibly, well, we need to know how to do that ourselves first. So we, and I speak again, speaking to the lens of a teacher. So that was the first big takeaway with me was like, you know, the importance of AI literacy, starting with the teacher. And, you know, I would see that it is vitally important that if our students in our classrooms, and I'm talking about post-primary higher education, if they are using AI tools, then we ha- it is our responsibility to encourage them to use them ethically and responsibility. Because there's a doctor, Philippa Hartman, and she's an excellent blogger and writer about this as well. And she talks about we need to, that we're working with the creators and builders of AI tools in the future. And we need to instill those principles in the early. One of the second big takeaways to me again was looking at teacher agency. So that any tool that we use, you know, it is our freedom to choose what tool that we use in the classroom if it, you know, aligns with the curriculum, if it's going to enhance student outcomes, learner experience and so on. So that was the second big one and an excellent presentation from Romina Kachia from the JRC. So she again talked about that the teacher decides if, why and how to use technology in the classroom, but fundamentally that's based on the needs of the learners. So we don't need to be caught up in this wave of AI. You know, it, it, we only use anything in the classroom if it's a benefit to the learners. And then so that comes back to the teacher agency again. And one of the third things for me is that, like, you know, that education, you know, fundamentally it, it's a social interaction, you know, the teacher-student, that the importance of teacher-student relationships. So we can't outsource that to a bot and that like to bring some learners on uh, you know that that is built on the relationship that is developed with teachers and again that goes from primary early childhood to primary to secondary to higher ed and so on and then you know the fourth thing i would have talked about is that like yes like absolutely artificial intelligence you know and generative ai it presents opportunities in education you know and it presents again if i talking again from the lens of the teacher it presents opportunities some people talk about it reduces teacher workload. Now, I would call, I put an asterisk beside that. You know, I think it can definitely reduce and the time spent on some administrative tasks. But before you even consider using any of these to reduce your workload for teacher planning, if that's what you're thinking about doing it, it comes back to the first point in it, the AI literacy. Why would we um, be very critical of any content produced by generative AI? And then the last big takeaway, and again, this was credit to those of you who organized the conference and with the array of speakers, because whatever the future trajectory of edge tech, AI and edge, any technology in education, it's going to require a collaborative relationship of all stakeholders in the education ecosystem. And I suppose a reference here, a report from European Schoolnet from last year, where it looked, it did an analysis of the European education, the edge tech system. And again, it was just fascinating that there were 6,500 ed tech companies in Europe as of last year, and 60% of those were founded by entrepreneurs. So I suppose that shows the importance that entrepreneurs and businesses have in the ecosystem, and that for those of us who are looking to implement any of these tools in the classroom, we must use the expertise that exists across the ecosystem. Yeah, very interesting there, Declan. I'm going to call Deirdre in maybe just to react to some of those thoughts that you had, particularly on the blog post. And that last observation in relation to the makeup of the new ed tech entrepreneurs that are coming to the game, I suppose, Deirdre. These problems, and it, they've just been accelerated, uh, I feel, with the whole sort of Gen AI piece, because these problems have always existed. You know, we've always talked about 
And the word that's bandied about all the time is transformation. And with every wave of sort of, you know, technology that's that's out there, they keep saying, and this will transform the education system and this will transform the education system. What we always have to remember is that technology in and of itself does nothing. It's actually the user, how they actually, as Declan has alluded to, how they actually sort of interpret the technology, how they see, and, and we've all heard about, especially, you know, sort of, you know, the TAM models and everything else about in education, like it's perceived ease of use and perceived usefulness. So something can be easy to use, but it may be actually useless. So we have to actually sort of balance up and say, well, okay, well, why are we using these tools? What are they for? The key person that will actually sort of know and understand because they're in the trenches every day are the teachers. Sort of how can this help them in their work with students to help them design a learning environment that enables all students to learn? And that's really important that it's all students to learn. And that thing about teacher agency in particular is sort of is really important. But the teacher, if they have that, if they expect to be included in the equation, teachers also have to take on the job of actually finding out as much as they can about what's out there and how it can be used and what you could do. So I would actually say another key word, all we've been doing is tinkering. We haven't been transforming, we've been tinkering. And if you look at sort of, you know, the UNESCO framework, we are still at the first level, tech literacy. We really, some people aren't even at that. People keep saying, oh, COVID, you know, that really upped the ante. No, it was something that had to be done. And the only way we could actually interact with people was online. Now, a lot of people have reverted to type. So we have to look at that sort of UNESCO framework. And the first is tech literacy. And then there's actually knowledge deepening. So like, how can these tools enable us to actually really go deeper with knowledge? There's lots of, especially Gen AI, I mean, there's lots of things now we can do really easily. We can access that information, but how do we actually go deep with it? And then how do we, how can we actually then push the boat out and actually get to the next level where we're actually engaged in knowledge creation? So these things and models have been around for quite a while. And I think we really have to now look at them and say, right, how can we actually move this forward and bring everybody along the way? And we actually have to learn and look back. Like even one of the comments this morning was, I wonder if you write a paper about this, it's really going to be focused on the importance of the teacher. And like somebody made the comment, oh, that's nothing new. And I said, oh, for God's sake, we need to really focus on this because we'll never move forward unless we actually involve the teacher as a key player and a co-creator. And that what's developed is good for good education, good learning. And yes, there is going to be bias, but they need to understand the big ideas. They're all about data and ethics, but at the core is learning. And how can we actually design learning environments that are actually sort of back, that are transformative, that actually transform lives and societies? So how do we do that? And that's the big idea. And it goes back to the purpose of education. Like, Mm -hmm. why are we involved in this game? There are big questions and they've always been there. And I think we sometimes get distracted from not actually looking at the core thing, which is what is the purpose of education and how do we design learning environments that all can thrive? Declan, and what do you... Yeah, sorry to jump across the yeah, Just pick up on something you said there. She was talking about pre and post-COVID and digital transformation. And she also mentioned UNESCO. The UNESCO material on their reports in education are fantastic. But they have one where they look back on the experiences of people across the globe in the midst of the pandemic when learning shifted online. And the title of the report was an edge tech tragedy. So when we talk about all of these 
tools coming into education, like what we're actually exposing is the digital divide. And we have to be very conscious of that the more we talk about digital, ed tech, AI, etc., there are some who are left behind. And Ellen Helsburn, the London School of Economics, she writes a lot about this and she talks about the corresponding field. So for those who are socially excluded, you're digitally excluded. You know, there is a link between the two. So a lot of people talk about the opportunities that digital technology presents. We also have to think about the divide that it also creates and like what facilities that we're putting in place for those who don't have the access to the to these technologies and can benefit from their use. Yeah, I know I would agree with you know what you're saying there. And it reminds us as well, I think some of the other book that we were talking about at the start of this podcast was one of my favorite books, anyone who knows me, is Larry Cuban's Teachers and Machines, which goes back to the nineteen twenties. And he's written during COVID, he actually traced back the use of technology. It was books and teaching aids at the time during the Spanish flu. But anyway, I think what I'm hearing is this notion of this critical perspective and the importance of the teacher. I also remember during the conference, and it got a bit of a reaction, if I recall, was Wayne Holmes, who participated in a brilliant panel. And he mentioned in Texas that there was a school where they are using bots in the morning and they have parents or others coming in in the afternoon to work with the kids. So I I think that the role of the teacher in all of this, and I know Romina captured it very well, is critical. And I think these tools, both of you are involved in teacher education. I'll go to Deirdre first, maybe to finish. But like, where do you think we're going with the role of the teacher in this world where we have, we've Gen AI today, but like tomorrow we could have something else. And who knows what's coming down the pike at the moment. Anyone who was at BET last week saw the array of digital technologies that are just exploding onto the scene. And Declan, you mentioned the tech sector. But where is it going and what do we need to do to help teachers, both those in initial teacher education and those that are in the profession, to actually, I suppose, better manage these? Deirdre? Well, what's really going to be important is a continuous sort of teacher professional learning and to actually develop that in a really cohesive way and not this one-stop shop. And when something new comes on board, it's rolled out. What we need to be able to actually develop a system whereby the school leadership is supported so that they in turn can actually support the teachers. And sometimes that is a missing piece. Sometimes like people always look at, oh, teacher, teacher. But it's the school leadership that really has to be looked at as well. How can they be enabled to support their teachers too? And again, it goes back to policy, sort of what policies are being put in place. Are there, is there alignment across the system? That needs to be looked at as well, like sort of, an, and I'm not going to get in, change the course of the conversation by bringing the, the A word in, which of course is assessment. So the teachers are caught in a bind there as well. Sometimes they're being told one thing, and yet, on the other hand, they're expected to actually perform to another tune as well. So there are conflicts. So we do actually have to look at that alignment piece. So policymakers have an input here. So I think what needs to be looked at is a sort of a, a holistic sort of systemic approach. How can we all sort of come together and, in a way, look at education as a core purpose of society? And how can we actually sort of focus so that we're not putting against each other, but we're actually developing the society together. Because at the core is like, you know, what society do we want to live in and how are we going to actually enable people to live in it and thrive successfully? So I think that needs to be an ongoing thing. And at pre-service as well, and it needs to be looked at as that pre-service. 
you know, we're not preparing them to go out into the world of work and never have to sort of, you know, have any sort of engagement again. It's pre-service. How do we actually engage teachers? And that then they will be supported along the way. And so sort of how do we do that? We already have the, you know, Kusan and Drahid and everything else where newly qualified teachers are, are really supported. But how do we actually enable the sort of the teacher support over a career? Because you're looking at 30, 40 years and look how much the world has changed in 30, 40 years. So I think that's really, really critical. And then really thinking about, like we have some resources out there already, sort of, you know, we've learned a lot from this experimental project. Idia have put together resources. I have worked with a doctoral student of mine, Enrique Amplo. We actually worked on something and she developed resources that are available. They're available online as well, where we're looking at the big ideas of AI and how can you actually develop those big ideas with primary school children. So I think constantly if we actually develop those resources, the other thing that we really need to look at too is sort of the big picture. What does this have down the road for us as regards sort of data and governance? Who's the data controllers, et cetera? And how do we make sure that everybody is protected? Because it is, there's a great deal of trust here. We know for certain that sort of the commercial developers are not going to sort of look after everybody and the ed tech companies. So how do we make sure that we are all protected as well? And it shouldn't be an acrimonious relationship, but we should be able to be able to work together. And teachers, as they say, the report showed that a education system is, is, is dependent on teacher quality. So I'm going to give that to Declan. I mean, I've been struck by this in recent months, but I trained as a teacher in the 1980s. And, you know, it was a lot simpler world. You know, we had one Mac in Marino who used to program it with basic. That was the world then. This is a really complex world that young teachers that you're working with in UCD are coming into. This whole world of artificial intelligence. Then there's generative AI as part of that. There's implications for, you know, you mentioned that the outside languages, actually I was listening to a podcast the other day from Australia, apparently English teachers are doing some wonderful work around generative AI and education in Australia, for example. So what are you doing? What do you see as some of the things we can do to help these young teachers when they go out into the schools that they will be able to use these tools and use that teacher agency that you talked about earlier, Declan? It's probably a wider question, both into initial teacher education and, and to the, the teachers at large, you know, and, and practitioners, I suppose. First and foremost, it's back to AI literacy again. And, you know, what? So we also have to take stock. So, like, it's only over 12 months since uh, we're looking at December 2022 when ChatGPT kind of exploded onto the scene. So, I, I, to be honest, I think we're trying to catch up, you know, I think we're trying to catch up with HE. Policymakers are trying to catch up. But I think everyone needs to take a breath, you know, for a minute. And, and like the wave is coming and you mentioned you were a bet making how there was so much stuff. And, you know, are we all going to be swept along in this wave? But it comes back to again. And Deirdre said she was reluctant to mention the A word. Ultimately, we're working with our students to enhance their, their the students that they're working with their outcomes and their experiences. But assessment is the big A in the room. And, you know, there's curricular reform going on in Ireland at the moment where there's going to be greater emphasis on coursework. And that might, I say, present an opportunity in inverted commas for students to be using uh, generative AI. So if we are in school or if we're a practicing teacher and, and we're initial teacher education, we're working with students, you know, I think we need to ask our students, are they using AI? And then it is our role to promote ethical and responsible use and, to, you know, be conscious of the guardrails that need to exist 
in order for them to use it ethically and responsibly. I read an interesting article from the Harvard Graduate School of Education, but it was called Embracing AI in the Classroom. The, the tone is uh, indicative of the title, but it talks about, you know, we can't bury our head in the sand. So, for example, if uh, and we're very conscious of that here in the School of Education, that both from our own student teachers and the students that our student teachers are working with, that if those students are using it, it is our responsibility to be leaders in AI literacy. So that's what we're looking at. But we are in the process of developing it. So only today we had a, an AI subcommittee as part of our teaching and learning group here in UCD. So we are working our way through it, if you like. Um, to come back to the surfing analogy, you know, we're jumping on the surfboard at the moment, you know, and we're trying to see <laughs> where we're going to fall off or if we're going to keep going. But it's the moving piece. And just to kind of pick up then, and one thing, Deirdre, said again, you mentioned about teacher professional learning, Deirdre, and you mentioned about your favorite man, Larry Cuban, and his, his very informative book. And Deirdre mentioned about Fred Davis and the technology acceptance model. But also I go back to Peggy Erkmer and she wrote a paper in 1999 about first order and second order virus. That's over 20 years old, but it's as relevant to today as it is as it was that day, uh, Nick. And the second order barriers to use technology in the classroom, you know, it's why would I use this, you know, and then to do this, in order to bring that change in, you have to look at attitudes, beliefs, knowledge and skills. And that can only be developed through continued teacher professional support. And then finally, just to say, you mentioned about leadership, Deirdre, and back to the conference and this project again, that there is a fantastic opportunity to, to work with school leaders across various jurisdictions as to how, because we can all learn from each other transnationally. And again, I think developing guidelines for school leaders to use across jurisdictions, much like the resources that have been developed as part of the AI4T project, would be very beneficial and very welcome. We could go on for another hour with the two of you. We're we're just opening up a whole can of interesting issues. I mean, I as I listened to you there, Declan, and I would totally agree with what you've been saying, is that ignorance is going to be no defense going forward. You know, the students are using these tools in their classrooms. And our last podcast with Jenny O'Connor from SETU and Orna Farrell from DCU just focused in on that, you know, in the higher education sphere. But I know from talking to other teachers that they're being used in our schools as well. And there is a lot going on in terms of curriculum reform and across the world, groups like the International Baccalaureate. There's work like rethinking assessment. There's work in Australia and uh, the University of Melbourne around new forms of assessment and coursework, which recognises that JNAI is it's there. So how are we going to deal with it? But I think to close for today, I must also mention that the ethical guidelines, which Deirdre was involved in and which John Hurley also participated in the development of, are there. And there's probably some further work needs to be done on taking those guidelines. The Commission recognises this. They're a great first start and they're a great guide for us, but they need to be probably, I suppose, deconstructed almost into practical language for schools so that they're more practical. That was a word, dear, that we heard a lot of, and I might just give you the last word on that, a lot during the conference. I mean, we have the MOOC, we have the textbook, but teachers were telling us, and this is probably where we need to go next, they want more practical advice and materials. You know, if you're an English teacher, my experience, I have one in my own family, you know, she's a, a language teacher as well. All she wants to know is Spanish and AI, English and AI. She doesn't want to know about maths. It's very much in that space. So maybe final word to you and then we'll close. Yes, that's exactly what actually came out with the evaluation as well across not just Ireland, but across all the countries involved, that the teachers really wanted to understand 
how AI could be used in their classroom practice. Maybe that's going forward. Perhaps that's how people can actually develop professional learning for teachers. You can start with their practice as the object to think with and then weave in the other bits about AI. Interestingly, our teachers in Ireland liked the actual mix of teachers because they said that the mix of teachers in the learning opportunities meant it got them thinking about other uses of AI and they weren't sort of completely centered on their own subject. Another thing that came across in the evaluation was the fact that teachers wanted to talk to one another. Particularly important to share practice because when you show me something it bubbles up an idea of what worked in my classroom, then we can I can try it out and then we can have a further discussion. So you're continually using classroom practice as your object to think about how you use these technologies and how you can actually design more interesting learning environments for your students. Talked about students. We also did a survey with students too, very quick survey. And what happened there is the students do understand AI. They're able to talk about it. They are using it. But they are actually really concerned as well, which I was delighted to see. They're concerned about privacy. They're concerned about data. They're actually concerned about ethics as well. So they are thinking about this and they realize the importance of these things as well. So I think if we learn from that and build on the lessons we've learned, I think we can design interesting learning environments, which actually keep the learners at the center. And remember, we're all learners and that we're learning continuously over our lives. And I think that's something that needs to be recognized, too. Thanks, Deirdre. And thanks, Declan. I suppose the words that spring to mind to me as I bring this podcast to a close, and I definitely I'd love to come back and talk to you both more about this as it evolves, is Tosakma Lanahibra. I think, look, there's a good start there. And as Deirdre said, you know, there's a lot of new things that have we've learned a lot. This was an experimental project and a lot was learned. And hopefully it can contribute and save people time in the future. But we need to continue learning and we need to think about teaching as a learning profession. It's not just a teaching profession, but it's a learning profession as well. And therefore, it's on all of us, H2, UCD, DCU, everyone else, to ensure that we are providing, I call them experiences for our teachers, wherever they are on that continuum, so that they can grow and learn and can be everything from that LinkedIn post that Declan put up to a webinar, to a workshop, etc. So, look, I want to thank you for your time this evening. It's greatly appreciated. And I look forward to talking to you more on this topic in the future. Grammy Lamagrit. Thank you.